0: hello and welcome to say yes to nmes i'm your host craig mateer thanks for tuning in and welcome to the podcast where we highlight and celebrate the success that nmes has had in the treatment of dysphagia on today's episode
1: to have my very first patient go from somebody that peg feeding no progress whatsoever with multiple therapists in a really good program at an acute hospital to six sessions in he's swallowing some days i just want to be like jumping up and down screaming from you know from the rooftop like look what has happened with these people and maybe hopefully give some other folks some hope with with their patients as well
0: hear that and more i hope you enjoy Okay, so why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you.
1: Um, I'm Kimberly Gomez. I am a speech-language pathologist and a director of rehab in Amarillo. Um, I have been a therapist since, goodness, 2011, so been doing this for a little over a decade. Um, I'm also a mom of six and pretty much your typical country girl. I am a director at a SNF and a LTC.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about your facility?
1: Uh, well, the SNF is the skilled nursing facility. So that's more of a short term. Um, we basically try to rehab people to home. Um, our facility tends to have a track record of about, oh, anywhere from 12 to 17 days um, before we get them ready for home health and to go home with home health. And then the other side of the building we have long-term care and that's for folks that are going to be living there.
0: And how large is your facility?
1: Um, we have about 120 beds. So we stay really, really busy. Um, our therapy caseload, we generally keep about 45 to 50 patients on um, between the SNF and the long-term care side.
0: And how long or uh, when did you uh, first get involved with VitalStim and how did you, how did you hear about it and, and what got you interested
1: Um, my really good friend from graduate school, um, named Kim Heron actually had reached out to me because we always used to do pretty much everything together, especially back then. Um, we lived in the same town and, you know, our kids were in school and so we kind of did everything together and she had heard about it, asked me if I wanted to go with her down to Dallas to get it done. And, you know, I was working at that time in skilled nursing, but also at an acute care hospital. And so I thought, you know what, this would be fantastic. Let's go ahead and look into this. And so we ended up taking the trek down to Dallas and took the first, um, you know, the first time that we had ever done the course and got our certifications and Uh, came back and found out that one of the facilities I worked in actually had a machine already. So um, it was great. So I was able to get started pretty much immediately after getting certification.
0: Great, great. And um, tell us a little bit about the patient, the case um, that we're going to talk about today.
1: So The gentleman that was my very first vital stem patient, I actually had him as a patient in the acute care hospital um, that I was working at at the time. Um, And I did that PRN. And so I would go in and I would see him every weekend. He had been. You know, in the ICU and then had transitioned um, to the floor and then had transitioned to the rehab unit all the time that he was there. Um, He was a retired chef, had been a chef all of his life. And unfortunately, the stroke that he had, the biggest issue that he was having is that he still could not even manage to initiate a swallow And, you know, the therapy team that I worked with was amazing. And we all had just worked and worked and worked with him. And he still, after months, could not even swallow his spit without, you know, Mm -hmm. aspirating. And it was just devastating for him. Um, Food was his life even then. Um, So he had just, you know, been very depressed and wasn't even wanting to live anymore. Um, I had, I wasn't sure where they were going to end up um, going, but I had, you know, I had gotten my certification and I had told them, you know, the only other thing that I could ever say to maybe try would be vital STEM. I said, unfortunately, I don't um, have a machine here at the hospital. We don't offer that here, but if you will search, you know, the vital STEM registry, there's likely some folks around this area that are registered and have a device. So maybe you can, um, End up getting some bottle stem therapy when you leave here, well, as it turned out, I got moved from one of my skilled nursing facilities. I got moved out to um a town north of Amarillo, and he ended up um admitting as one of my patients and I just happened to as I was going through the cabinets and stuff out there, found a vital stem machine. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this cannot be happening. (laughs) So I go in and I talked with him and his wife. They were ecstatic because they had not been able to find anyone that had a device. They had found several people that were certified, but, you know, didn't have a device available to them. So it just almost seemed like, you know, just a God thing. Like here he shows up. I didn't even know that facility had a device. We did. And we got started. I mean, he had said over and over if he could not eat, he would rather die. And so I was like, all right, we're going to go at this 100%. He and his wife were on board, and he would come into therapy and he was determined he would tell everybody, I'm going to I'm going to end up leaving here eating. So, um, you know, we would do hour-long sessions every day, Monday through Friday. He um, would beg me to come and work with him on the weekends, but because I have um, at that time I didn't have as many children, but I still had several mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, you know, make that promise to him, but we did do Monday through Friday, an hour a day. Um, and at that point I, you know, I started, um, with the ice chips and then I started kind of working our way up and it was so amazing because, you know, the first time he swallowed his eyes, just like lit up and he was like I just did it I swallowed like I mean he was so excited his wife was there she had started crying and this was a man who had had some amazing therapists amazing therapy provided it just he had had no progress unfortunately up to that point um so we ended up um doing about six sessions and I was able at that point, that's where he was able to actually initiate that swallow um, really good. And then after the 24th session, he was able to safely eat regular consistencies, thin liquids. I had sent him for modified um, barium swallow study and they had confirmed this and he would use a head turn and a chin tuck. Um, we continued on, and at the end of his stay with us, he had had 48 sessions of vital stem, and another successful modified. And he went out with his wife and had a steak dinner and drank a beer. Did not have to use strategies at that point, point. Um, and so it was just the most amazing success story. My very first patient to use it with.
0: That's incredible. Um, was he on a was he on a tube?
1: So for him, he started off in the hospital because he could not swallow. Um, they had started initially with the NG tube through the nose that would go down um, into his stomach and, you know, feed him that way. And then after a certain amount of time, the physicians and the therapy team had decided, you know, he was not going to be able to maintain um, being able to be fed that way. So they have to go in and surgically put a tube in that stays permanently and it's kind of attached um, you know, to their stomach through, through their skin, um, going through the abdomen. So he would get all of his meals basically as a liquefied um, form through that tube. So he was not getting anything at all in his mouth, not getting the benefit of chewing and tasting the food, the flavors, you know, the textures, any of those things that we all take for granted, you know, that this is just one of the the parts of eating that, you know, adds to the pleasure of it, not just the feeling of, you know, swallowing and having your stomach feel full, but just the whole experience was taken away from him.
0: Exactly. There's so much to eating, to think about not being able to eat devastating and so depressing. And I want to talk a little bit about that um, in a little while, because I know you, you mentioned about, about his wife, and I want to get into that. Um, but how long after the stroke, had you initially seen him when you were when you and the team were doing the what would be you know traditional therapy
1: um we saw him you know probably i think it was probably day 2 from when he had come in and been you know in the icu and everything from his stroke um up to i think he discharged out of the hospital completely cuz you know they went from icu to the regular floor then into the rehab unit at the hospital. So that was probably about two months total at that point. And he had made no progress with traditional therapy.
0: Tell me a little bit about um, his wife. And, and I mean that because like I said, the, to me, dysphagia does not only affect the patient clearly, but it also affects all their loved ones and all their interactions can you tell me a little bit about what you know in in their case whatever you can share
1: yeah she was the most amazing support for him but at the same time it was taking its toll on her because as he got more depressed and more angry Who did he lash out at most was her because she was the one that was there. So he would take all that frustration, all of that out and just kind of she was his um, whipping post almost just verbally. And and it was taking its toll on her, you know, so she would just be so worn down by having to try to constantly encourage him and push him and, you know, try to keep him from giving up. I mean, because he was at that point, you know, and um, she was one of those. She stayed by his side. It was hard to get her to even leave the room to go take a walk or to go down and, you know, get herself something to eat because she just never wanted to leave him. And um, they had been married I think since right after high school, I mean, so high school sweethearts and, you know, they'd raised a family and she had always been his partner in life, you know, with everything as, as he uh, was a chef, you know, she worked in restaurants with him. And so everything they did was together, you know, and also because food was such a big part of their life, you know, it took that away from her because where they would normally, you know, enjoy a really amazing dinner that he would have prepared together and, you know, drank wine and all of those things. She couldn't really do that either. You know, she wasn't going to do those things without him. Um, So it was affecting her across the board as well. You know, she was becoming very depressed and anxious and her health was taking its toll because she was not eating, you know, she wasn't going to bring food up and eat with him and we couldn't really get her to leave him very often. Um, So she was being affected by it as well.
0: Mm, Incredible. And so I know you said, did you say he started crying? Did she start crying when, when he first felt that first swallow engage?
1: He was like, just amazed. I mean, his eyes like got huge and he was just so excited and she just stood there and tears just rolling down her face because it was the very first time that he had been successful with getting to swallow. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And she just, you know, did the silent weeping tears over there and everybody, you know, I, there was a couple of the therapists that were in the, in the therapy area at that time and everybody was just so amazed.
0: And this was your very first vital stem patient
1: my very first one. And, you know, what's crazy is, you know, back then, most people that had heard of Vital Stem, there was kind of this, um, everybody looked at it almost like it was like a snake oil type thing. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've, we've heard about it doesn't really help, you know, kind of deal It's just it's, it's in everybody's head. And, you know, after I had gone through the certification, and I had seen all of the the data and the information and gotten that I was just like, I was so on board and then to have my very first patient go from somebody that, PEG feeding, no progress whatsoever with multiple therapists in a really good program at an acute hospital to six sessions in, he's swallowing. I was like, oh my goodness. So right then, you know, I realized, okay, this is legit. And, you know, just as we continue to make progress every single session just got better and better and better. It was so amazing. And it was such a great way for me to like show people, Hey, this, this vital stem is, is not snake oil. Like it is legitimate.
0: And what did he tell you about that? That first meal and, and beer?
1: Oh my goodness. He said it was the absolute best steak that he had ever had in his life. And he didn't even cook it. (laughs) (laughs) And he was very particular. So he was thrilled with that.
0: That's, that's just fantastic. Um, And I think you've said that you've, you know, continued to see success throughout your time using VitalStim. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I have. Um, I had a couple other patients in that same facility that um, I had started using it on as well. One of them um, was not as severe, he could initiate a swallow, but he was on like puree and came to me, I think on puree and honey thick liquids. Um, His really improved uh, pretty quickly. His was not nearly as extensive as this other gentleman, the chef's, Um, but he improved and we got him off of a peg tube. Um, I've had, patients, you know, who have been, you know, relatively fresh stroke um, patients all the way up to some that have been, you know, about five years out. And, you know, my biggest thing is I'm never not going to give somebody an opportunity to get better if I feel like there is a chance. Um, And so, you know, and I give them all the information, their family, all the information. And I always, you know, I always say, I, you know, I, I can't guarantee that it will work, but we can always try it. And without fail, I have not had a single patient who didn't make some level of progress with it. Um, And that's even for some of my patients who maybe don't want to put forth as much effort. You know, there will be some I always try to do that five sessions a week, um, hour long and they may not be able to tolerate it or they may not be wanting to do it every day. You know, they'll come in and they're like, "I'm not, I'm not doing it today or, you know, whatever and um, and even with those patients, we've seen success. You know, I may not get them completely off of modifications, but we've always made progress, you know, where I get them up a level on a diet texture or not having to use the compensatory strategy.
0: That, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And and just to give, you know, these people hope or some sign that, that things could get better, you know, is is amazing on mine. I'm not a therapist, so I just, I'm just amazed by all of it, Um, but I, I I think about the, um, the thought of, of thinking you can't swallow, and you can't eat, and, and there's nothing that's going to change that um, for the rest of your life, whatever that may be, and then, and then to have something come along, um, and change that for, for you, and, and, and your loved ones, I mean, I, I've talked about it on this podcast before, but um, I'm sure your chef, the isolation that it causes is is devastating also because so much of his life was involved with being out and about and eating.
1: Yes, and I think that goes for most everybody. I mean, it's it truly is a rarity where somebody never socializes while eating and drinking. Most people are social eaters and drinkers. You think about any event we go to, there's food, there's drinks, um, any you know holiday party or baby showers or whatever it may be, Even just your typical dinner or lunch, you know, even with your own family, even if it's not formal where people are sitting at the dining room table, they're generally together in the living room or wherever, you know, they may be. Um, And when you're the person who can't put anything in your mouth or you have to have some you know, some form of a modified diet texture, like all purees or something like that, it really does affect your social interactions. And most of the people that I have found that have been on those peg tubes, especially, they're the ones that, you know, they don't want to go to the dining room at mealtimes. Why would they? Because then they can see and smell and hear everybody else getting to enjoy their food while they're sitting there, you know, not Getting to so most of those folks are the ones who stay in their rooms and don't come out and it just it from what I have seen increases that um, those signs and symptoms of depression um, because we are we are social creatures and food and drink plays such a key role in that for most most humans
0: absolutely absolutely i'm I'm just curious what did your what did your facility think when here you were fixing somebody that hadn't been able to be fixed with a device that had been kind of stored away and not utilized, were they were they as impressed as, as the rest of <laughs> the us would be and the family was?
1: Oh, absolutely. That was one of the things they were like, oh gosh, now that we have a therapist here that can use it and like we can market with this to try to get more patients here. Like they were excited because they were going to say, you know, hey, we can pull in patients who have peg tubes, who have had no success because now we've seen that it works, you know, um, and it worked in a big way. You know, it w- it wasn't just some little small thing. I mean, it was huge.
0: Long-term care, there's not a lot of... Uh great feel good stories coming out of it, you know? So, so to have a facility that can offer something and, and give people hope has to be a great marketing tool. I would think if I was in that business.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so far the facilities that I've been in, where I've been able to, uh, share either that, those stories that I already had or been working with patient and we have those outcomes, um, You know, that is something that the administrators are always like, okay, let's get with the marketers. Let's get this out there. Let's make sure that people know we have this tool and we have the therapists that can use it. Um, So it it has definitely been a huge selling point um, for the facilities I've been in, you know, and just a really good marketing tool for uh, them to go market at the hospitals for when they're getting trying to get uh, more patients
0: into the building which is always important. <laughs> and I think you mentioned something about even like a post COVID patient. You would, what do you, what can you tell me about that one?
1: He, oh my goodness. He, and he, again, they, he had a, a wife who was a hundred percent, you know, committed to being with him all the time. Um, he nearly died from COVID. Um, and so when he came to us, he had been in the ICU for Oh my goodness. I think he had been in the ICU for probably two and a half months. Um, and I mean, he could not walk, he couldn't sit up, he couldn't swallow. I mean, he was a mess and he was kind of the same way, you know, him and his wife, they were big RVers in their retirement and they liked to go and they would go to all these different types of festivals. Um, and they would you know, do all the drinking and all the eating everywhere they went, you know, and so here he is again with a peg tube, this, this gentleman that all he wanted to do was to be able to eat and drink and get back out on the road with his wife. And he couldn't do anything for himself at this point. Um So, you know, we, I, presented it to him. He also, at that time, um, he was very proud of his beard. That was something that was always a big deal for him. Um, So I had to really uh, encourage him that, you know, yes, I know you're going to lose the beard temporarily, but it will be worth it. I promise you, you know, and so I had to get him and his wife on board because they both loved that beard. Um, But they, they figured it was worth um, losing the beard for a little bit. And sure enough, we started and he kind of was a slow going progress at first. I mean, the man was very, I mean, he had nearly died. And so he was extremely, extremely weak. All of that disuse um, atrophy had occurred while he was um, in the ICU. He had been on, you know, the vent and had a trach and all of that at one point as well. Um, So we had a, a ways to go. And he started making progress within, the first 10 sessions or so. Um, and we eventually got him, um, eating regular diet, thin liquids, no strategies required. And, you know, he left there, went home with his wife and, you know, he was just thrilled to be able to eat and drink and get rid of that peg tube.
0: That's just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, and maybe you've, uh, you probably said it along the way, but I always say what, what, overarching idea or thing would you say about NMES for dysphagia in your experience and kind of big picture ideas?
1: It is probably the most beneficial tool for a swallowing therapist to have because traditional therapy has its place and, and I have seen progress eventually, you know, maybe not as great, but I've seen progress with traditional therapy, but nothing like when you have um, a vital stem unit and that you can be consistently using it. um, It truly is life changing. And that is the thing. It gives hope to people who have no hope.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for spending some time with me and sharing those, those awesome, awesome success stories. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's just great to be able to share um, those stories because, you know, so many of them because of, you know, HIPAA and all that I can't, you know, really share. And of course I can't ever share details. And, but it's like some days I just want to be like jumping up and down, screaming from, you know, from the rooftop, like, look what has happened with these people. <laughs> and so it's so nice to be able to like actually get to share that and And maybe hopefully give some other folks some hope with with their patients as well. That like, you know, it may not be immediate progress, but if you keep going, like you're going to see some progress with these patients. And and like I said, you know, every single patient I've had, there has always been some level of improvement across
0: the board. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you have an NMES success story you would like to share, contact me at craig at chowseminars.com. That's Craig at ciaoseminars.com. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Ciao.